listeners, and welcome to the NK News Podcast. I am your regular host, Jacko Zwetslut, speaking to you from Jeju Island, where I'm attending the annual Jeju Forum. Interviews from that event to come soon. Uh, while I am down here in Jeju, our brilliant, handsome and NK- well, who's writing this? Our managing editor, Oliver Hotham, sat down in Seoul with Dr. Lassino Zerbo, the executive secretary of the Comprehensive Nuclear Test Ban Treaty Organization, quite a mouthful, to discuss arms control, North Korean denuclearization, and prospects for a deal in the future. We started by asking him about the mood in Seoul during his current visit and how his South Korean colleagues currently see prospects for denuclearization. We have uh, monitoring facilities in uh, South Korea that are part of the international monitoring system and uh, we're enjoying a great deal of support from the government official and expert at all, experts at all levels in South Korea and that's what brings me it's to continue this close cooperation and see how we can uh, contribute to uh, finding uh, ways for uh, sustainable peace in the peninsula. In May last year, you talked about welcoming steps by Pyongyang to join international disarmament efforts for a total ban on nuclear tests. What progress do you think has been made on that front uh, since you made those remarks? Yeah, those uh, remarks were made in the follow-up to what both South Korea and North Korea had indicated at the time, that uh, in this dialogue process, the DPRK would welcome at a certain stage uh, international bodies to contribute uh, to the complete denuclearization. I came to talk about what could be uh, the contribution of the Comprehensive Test Ban Treaty and the infrastructure that uh, we've put together for more than 20 years. And uh, what I meant was taking the denuclearization in the much broader context, Mm. including arms control, what could be CTBT's contribution? I see CTBT contribution in two folds. Uh, Politically, to help create the condition of uh, trust and confidence that the DPRK is walking the talk mm. uh, because they've announced and uh, called for witness uh, to see the closing of the nuclear test site. How can we verify that the test site is indeed incapacitated? That's what people would want to know. And how could the CTBT contribute to this in one hand? And in another hand, how the treaty itself could serve as a confidence-building measure for if the DPRK were to... Uh, join this treaty as a signatory mm. or even as an observer uh, as a starting point. And did you get any response from the North Koreans concerning that offer you made to uh, send experts to the Pungiri site? Not that I was expecting any particular uh, particular answer mm. uh, at this stage because one of the things that we tried to avoid was to interfere Uh, the dialogue process that was going on first between North and South and also between uh, US and the DPRK. Mm. Uh, Our hope was uh, that as we move on to commend those who have engaged in this dialogue with the DPRK, that if we're coming to a positive outcome, that there would be room for the Comprehensive Test Ban Treaty and its organization framework uh, to contribute to implementing any agreement between two parties or three or tripartite agreement. What was your assessment then of that demolition? Do you think because there weren't international experts present, it represented something of a missed opportunity? Or was the fact that there were no international experts there kind of a, a deliberate move on the part of Pyongyang to perhaps make it seem like a more substantive step than it really was? 
two things. I think it was probably too short notice mm. to have international expert prepare if we wanted to do. I was tempted to use proof of concept mm. or uh, to prove anything with regard to incapacitating uh, the tunnel below ground. What I would refer to is um, how the DPRK itself would want to be seen in the international uh, context. Uh, if they want to walk the talks, they would want to create the condition of trust. Because today, what we need is trust, we need is confidence as we move to prepare the ground for a complete denuclearization. Calling journalists to witness is a first step, but any arms control agreement needs to be verified. And verification, it's not necessarily done by just eyewitnessing. I think it's done by using the tools necessary uh, to come to a conclusion that indeed this armed control agreement is indeed verifiable and that the country that is set for is walking the talk. And what do you kind of make of then Pyongyang's so far its reluctance to have international inspectors come and, and verify these types of things? Obviously, with the Yonbyon demolition uh, over a decade ago, there were international inspe inspectors, but now they seem a little bit more reluctant, at least last year. What? Why do you think there's a reluctance then to, as you say, walk the walk? I wouldn't say they're reluctant. I think uh, there was a, a time pressure and uh, they wanted to respond to positively to the discussion and the dialogue that was going on with uh, the US and also with, uh, with South Korea. You know, they needed a bit more preparation and a bit more contact. And those contacts were not established when they decided to declare that they're closing the nuclear weapon test site. Uh, having said this, how do we incentivize them to, to go along with inviting international experts? It's all about give and take. And the give and take here, it's about trust. Uh, asking them to walk the talk or walk the walk. Uh, because when you say you're closing your nuclear weapon test site, you want people to believe that you're serious about it. And I would want to take the example of France. Uh, France is uh, uh, a nuclear weapon state under the NPT that has closed its nuclear weapon test site irreversibly. And when they did so, they did invite international experts to come and witness. But not only this, I think they've had a monitoring uh, program uh, to that effect to prove to the international community that nothing at this weapon test site is in a working condition. I think North Korea probably would have to go through this type of processes mm. uh, to create the condition of trust that people would say they're definitely serious about the denuclearization process. In response to that, I think Pyongyang would probably say that they would be reluctant to be too open about their nuclear program and those elements of their nuclear program because they don't believe that they're in a position to give up that type of thing because of the political um, situation on the peninsula. What do you think the UN's role and other organizations' role could be in helping assure Pyongyang that these this is not something that they need to worry about, that actually being more open and transparent will help them rather than hurt them? Basically, it boils down to what international body are for and what multilateral diplomacy is for. If uh, international treaty are in place, it's for the international community to abide mm. by them and to implement them. There's no other way to show transparency with credibility and legitimacy than following and abiding by international agreement. The CTBT is meant to ban all nuclear test explosion anywhere, underground, underwater, in the air. And by announcing 
that they're stopping the nuclear test explosion, joining the CTBT would be an element of trust that North Korea would have to show to the international community. And this is transparency, this is trust, and this is how they can join the international fora in a way where people will say they're serious about the process for denuclearization. You know, you've been working on the North Korean nuclear issue for quite some time now, I think. How has the CTBT and its its role changed since the beginning of North Korea's nuclear program um, and the beginning of North Korea's testing? We've come a long way at the CTBT. Let's not forget that uh, although not desirable uh, that a country would conduct a nuclear test explosion, uh, the reality is that the DPRK has put to test the international monitoring system and the overall verification mechanism of the Comprehensive Test Ban Treaty. Uh, we were the first one to detect the first nuclear test explosion in 2006, at a time where the international monitoring system were had, was hardly 50% completed. Mm. We did so with the maximum reliability, effectiveness, and precision. And today we over 90% completed and then we have indeed detected all six nuclear test explosions with the credibility that deserve uh, the investment that state signatories have put in the system. Basically, what I'm alluding to is that, yes, the DPRK has put to test the international monitoring system. And yes, the DPRK has made us to prove that the treaty is indeed verifiable. And yes, the DPRK is putting us uh, is putting the challenge ahead of us that for complete verification, you need that other component of the verification, which is an on-site inspection. And today you heard, uh, for instance, some allegation on the Wall Street Journal with regard to low-yield tests. Yeah. Uh, low-yield tests, we can talk about it, but ultimately what you need is to be able to intrude an environment to completely verify whether you've had a low-yield test or not. And this goes... Uh, along with uh, not only uh, uh, nuclear weapon countries, but also with countries that are aspiring to, con uh, to to be nuclear weapon state. You know, you said the Pungiri demolition, for example, kind of overlapped with, you know, diplomacy between North Korea and South Korea, diplomacy between North Korea and the United States. How can your organization kind of navigate those, I guess, those diplomatic choppy seas, so to speak, that sometimes... Sometimes things are going well, sometimes things are a little bit inconsistent. Right now we're seeing something of an, an impasse, I think, in nuclear diplomacy. What role does your organization play um, in kind of managing that? Like any other international organization or international body, uh, our job is uh, consistency, is to remain consistent with the goal of the organization and the process that led to show our effectiveness and why uh, people are getting the return and investment uh, they need uh, to, in terms of uh, what they would be expecting from a body like the CTBT. Regardless of uh, party line, regardless of uh, political uh, affiliation, our job is to give back to the international community what they've invested in. And what they've invested in is for us to be able to show that no nuclear test explosion would go undetected. What they've invested in is for us to show and give the expertise and resources that they deserve mm. uh, for them to get uh, the maximum transparency with regard to event, with regard to situation. And this is what we're dealing with the DPRK. And this is why beyond the on-site inspection mechanism that could be the CTBT after its entry into force, 
we believe that our contribution could be as well to help uh, give the assurance that a nuclear test site is indeed in, incapacitated in the DPRK. Have you seen any indication that North Korea might be interested in joining the treaty? Um, Foreign Minister Ri Yong-ho, after the Hanoi summit, suggested that North Korea had been really willing to make very firm commitments to essentially write into law their uh, new ICBM test moratoria. Have, have you seen any indication that they might be interested in, in signing up? No indication so far, but uh, uh, not to say that we're losing hope. Mm. Uh, I think there are more at stake today in terms of uh, where is the dialogue going and how seriously they're taken. I think uh, the conditions are probably not ready, but I think we can make the condition ripe by bringing uh, that notion of arms control that I mentioned and by just talking about the importance of joining the CTBT. I mean, assuming that North Korea will not go for that immediately and not mentioning it is a mistake. Mm. I think calling them to consider joining the CTBT even as an observer, I think is a logical step after they've announced and then observe a moratorium for one year on nuclear testing. You were talking about the Hanoi summit. Um, What did you make of North Korea's reported offer to the Americans at that summit in terms of dismantling Yongbyon. There's a lot of debate about how big a role that facility plays in the country's nuclear program. Would you have seen that as a really substantial step towards denuclearization? I'm coming back again to my perception of denuclearization. Mm. And I use the denuclearization in a much broader context. And I've mentioned three phases. And then if you allow me, I will repeat them again. The three phases, I say, whether you take them one, two, three, or three, two, one, uh, whatever order you take, you have the dismantlement of nuclear weapon. That is the responsibility of nuclear weapon countries. You have the fact that one has to deal with the nuclear facility, enrichment of uranium, processing of plutonium. That's the responsibility of the International Atomic Energy mm. uh, Agency. Then if those two are dealt with, how do we keep assured that the nuclear weapon test site is completely dismantled. Because if it's not, this concept that they might have smuggled nuclear material in to be able to do the first test would still remain open. And if this still remain open, it means that they can resume nuclear test explosion anytime in the search to rebuild nuclear weapon. And therefore, getting the assurance that the nuclear weapon test site is not in working condition and that it's dismantled irreversibly is an important element in the trust and confidence building that is necessary for a complete denuclearization Mm. of the DPRK. So therefore, whether you start by the test site, by its verification, or you start by the dismantlement, they all go hand in hand to be able to consider the situation as a complete and irreversible denuclearization. And this is why I think that bodies like the CTBT with the resource and expertise that they have would have a role to play in terms of how we inject the notion of arms control in the denuclearization process. Obviously, North Korea hasn't tested a nuclear weapon in since September 2017. Um, what do you make of the format of this current moratorium that they've declared? And how do you think they could formalize it in a way? The only way to formalize a moratorium is to go along with the international agreement that accompany mm. the moratorium. The CTBT in terms of test side is the only 
moratorium you know, is the only legally binding framework that North Korea could abide to uh, to make sure they walk the talk with regard to closing the nuclear weapon test site and not carrying any nuclear weapon tests since 2017. Hmm. Something of a something of a debate between you know the U.S. and North Korea that's created some kind of difficulty in negotiations has been you've this disagreement on the definition of denuclearization. You know, um, the North Koreans say it means one thing, the Americans say it means something else, and obviously you have your own definition as well. What do you think can be done to bridge this gap between these three act, these two actors, and and what role do you think you can play in kind of helping them come to an agreement on that? The word definition is an important word, like the CTBT. When you take the treaty, the zero yield has been a, a question in the CTBT. It's how people perceive uh, the definition of a zero yield. Likewise, a denuclearization, the concept of denuclearization has been perceived differently. This is probably the reason why people wonder what would the CTBT do in the denuclearization of the Korean Peninsula. But I've explained that it's injecting a notion of yeah. arms control in the broader context of denuclearization that would bring the CTBT to contribute. When you say, how do we bridge the gap? This is already bridging the gap hmm. because by adding that arms control notion, we're bridging the gap between those who think that denuclearization is not a comprehensive a dismantlement of the whole process and the whole suite of elements that led to the build-up of the nuclear weapon, and those who believe that no, denuclearization is only nuclear material or denuclearization is only the removal of uh, the nuclear weapon. I see a complete and comprehensive denuclearization as all those three aspects taken mm. into account. The arms control aspect, the nuclear material, as well as the nuclear weapon. So how do we achieve that remain the question. A million dollar question, I guess. Yeah, and what is your assessment then of the current diplomatic situation? Do you are you optimistic that a deal can be be struck at the moment? Those who know me will say that I'm uh, always optimistic because I always see the glass half full. I try to take the positive side of even the negative situation. Mm. I don't think we should lose hope. The fact that there was significant step made. Uh, to bring uh, two leaders that weren't prepared to talk to each other, I mean, a few years ago. The fact that those are able to discuss now and the fact that they're still willing to continue despite the stalemate that we're witnessing is a sign that maybe the light is out there and then we should just make sure we see it. Mm. And how do we do that? You mentioned bridging the gap. I think there's a lot of uh, compromise that needs to be done uh, from both parts. And maybe be less hard than, uh, you know, some have been you know, from both angles as well. And then I think South Korea could play an important role and a key role in bridging that gap. Why? Because they're the first concern about this issue. And they're the main allies of the United States and also de facto the main island of North Korea. Mm. And I think South Korea can bring about all three aspects to be interlinked and then to connect the necessary dots to move from a trilateral possible agreement between South, US and DPRK to broadening this to the international community and whereby we bring multilateral diplomacy to make this agreement or this possible peace more sustainable. Under your leadership, the CTBTO youth group has been established to engage the younger generation in advancing the aims of the treaty. Compared to your younger years, what do you think are some of the most important elements for up-and-coming nuclear 
experts and CTBT experts to kind of understand about the current situation? When you talk about my young years, uh, during my young years, uh, young people weren't so uh, engaged or so talkative about mm. global issues. Uh, today, with social media, the influence of media as well, I think uh, youth have become the leaders of the world. They're not future leaders. I think they are the leaders now because they're the one who control and probably master social media more than my generation and uh, the generation before me. So they're the one who will certainly witness a world free of nuclear weapon or the condition for a, a better condition for a world free of nuclear weapon. They are engaged. This is for sure. We have to give them the tools to see their engagement bearing the best fruit possible. And that's what led me to engage in uh, setting up a CTBT youth group to give them the necessary tools, the political tools, the technical tools for them to do the necessary advocacy within the civil society around them and to help create the condition for not only the technical uh, completion of the verification regime, but also uh, the advocacy for the entry into force of the treaty uh, in due course. And I think uh, we've moved from uh, nine CTBTO youth group members two years ago to 780, nearly 800. I think it's going uh, and improving and improving and growing. And uh, I'm hoping to see them uh, making a difference and then help us finish what we started, which is the entry into force of the CTBT. Would you say then, uh, we, we talked about optimism a little bit, but do you think further down the line you'll see North Korean membership of the CTBT? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I think, uh, especially in the in the context we are in, if, uh, as I say, we commend the U.S., uh, we commend uh, South Korea and recently Russia for engaging with DPRK. I think by the time those discussions come to a you know a tangible outcome, uh, I don't think the CTBT will be uh, left out. And if the CTBT is not left out, it means that the DPRK will uh, come closer mm. as an observer or as a state signatory uh, prior to considering the ratification of the CTBT. I'm pretty confident that uh, that will not be out of the loop in terms of the discussion that are going on, be it be with the US, be it with the, the South Korea, or even with the Russia or in the international community as a whole. So I remain optimistic that the DPRK will join the CTBT. What kind of time frame would you predict for that? I mean, when you, when, whenever I'm asked for a time frame for the CTBT, I say yesterday, okay? But yesterday isn't realistic. Mm. Uh, but let me say that if you take arms control, disarmament, non-proliferation as a whole, the CTBT as an arms control treaty is probably the most realistic, the most practical, and the most achievable today. So if we're serious about disarmament, if we're serious about arms control, if we're serious about uh, non-proliferation, the CTBT is a low-hanging fruit. Let's get that in our basket, and then that will probably create the condition for a better world, a world free of nuclear weapons soon. Dr. Zerbo, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me.